to another episode of Debatable with your hosts, Nina and Kyle. I'm Kyle. I'm Nina. For today, we're going to talk about apologies and forgiveness as well as the culture around it. So to start things off, we wanted to give an apology for our own because we know we haven't been uploading consistently despite repeated promises to do so. You'd expect that after nearly two years of doing this that we'd be able to get the hang of it by now. But to be honest, actually we don't. We are still not used to a lot of the things that come with the territory of having a podcast and balancing it with our day-to-day lives. So we really sincerely apologize for that. We will try to do better and upload more consistently. We have been doing talks about, you know, what are we going to do moving forward? And we do have a lot of plans for our second year as, as debatable. Third year, actually. Third year. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. entering our third year. So we're entering our third year and we have a lot of things planned. Our anniversary is coming up and we are planning something that's very interesting. Um, it's something that we've never done before. And I feel like it's something that, you know, just not to spoil anything, but it does take a lot of planning, almost like a tournament, but it's more constant than a tournament. Yeah, which I is guess that, gonna be yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, if you have any other concerns or you'd like to pitch some ideas for us, know that our social media accounts are always open. We do read everything you send through official channels. For example, Curious Cat. We have got a lot of questions from Curious Cat and we do try to answer them, a lot of them, in our episodes. Even though like we don't actually answer them on Twitter, it's only because we're using that as a way to you know, integrate a lot of those concerns into the episodes that we do end up creating. So a lot of the questions that we got about jargon were actually things that we took a look at um, and considered when you're we making our episode about jargon the past few weeks. Yeah. So uh, once again, we really apologize for our inconsistent upload schedule. Moving forward and for the third year of Debatable, we have a lot in store and we hope that you're still patient with us and come for the ride. With that being said, We wanted to dedicate this episode to the philosophical debate surrounding apologies and forgiveness in society. This was in part inspired by our old motion, not our motion, but an old motion that reads this house regret the premium placed on forgiveness. It was also inspired by our own experiences with forgiveness and the fact that we are currently begging for yours. Yeah, so I guess, you know, anyway, let's get down to it. Let's Mm -hmm. turn this tragedy into some content. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no, what have we become? <laughs> yeah, I feel like a YouTuber. Is this what YouTubers feel? Like, if there was a camera, I'd be staring at it going like, I'm sorry. I, I deeply apologize. Blah, you blah, blah. You have blah. fake tears, you know? Yeah, I, I have fake tears right now, actually. I am just about to talk about how sorry I am. And I will proceed to give you all of my excuses for why you should feel bad for me despite me doing the thing that's wrong. You know, we should do a notes apology. Just to add some flair to this episode. We're going to publish this yeah, with a notes apology. We're going to, we are going to announce it with a notes apology. We're going mm-hmm. to be like, notes apology. Oh, by the way, our episode is out. That's what we're going to do. So anyway, yeah. what, what even is forgiveness? And in this discussion, what is forgiveness? What are we really talking about? Yeah, so psychologists generally define forgiveness as the conscious conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings or resentment of vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they have actually deserved your forgiveness. So there's a lot to unpack there, actually. So Mm. I guess the first one is, I mean, not that I'm saying that I'm a psychologist, 
but I feel like this definition isn't as broad as you know the way that we've come to use it because this definition implies that you are the person who was harmed but in a lot of cases you go like I'll never forgive uh, Chris Brown for hurting Rihanna for example I actually I will never forgive Chris Brown for doing that to Rihanna given a premium place on forgiveness or something like that I feel like I should be forgiving him even though I won't but anyway like does this definition cover even people like me who feel harmed by extension or like as a third party to an incident that happened well first of all the definition does admit it's generally defined so I think that it acknowledges different iterations of forgiveness as well as the different ways that it can form or it can look like or it can come about but secondly I think that in that in a way because someone else has harmed someone you look up to or in in this case someone you listen to like Rihanna they have also harmed you like psychologically or at least um, I, I, I wouldn't say mentally but in a way you were affected by it in a way you were harmed you faced emotional anguish from it so I would say it still gets covered so you get like secondhand shock and that's yeah. that's what you're angry at Chris Brown for it's not it's not exactly the fact that you know he hurt you it's the fact that he hurt Rihanna and you're angry about that yeah so that's the harm I would say right so resolutions the man or resolutions in general also come in different phases they can either come in the absence of an apology they can come after an apology or even after an act after an apology Because you know some people, they don't just accept apologies. You have to go to the extent of like proving that you are actually genuinely sorry by doing certain acts. Which is fine. Like different strokes for different folks, you know? I'm personally the type that's okay after an apology, but not always. What yeah, are you? I would know as a person who has had to apologize to you a lot of times already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm the type of person who forgives even in the absence of an apology. Like... There has been like a, a recent event in my life where I felt deeply offended by something and I I just chose to believe that well they didn't mean any harm so I was just like okay I'll forgive them they don't even need to know that they hurt me I I just you know I don't want to hold on to to this I'd rather be sad than be angry I guess is the thing like I'd rather be sad and be angry Although there are lots of people and like again I would say that all of them are valid the forgiveness in the absence of an apology after an apology or after penitence I guess or a certain act mm-hmm. or happening that represents an apology but I think each one of those things can be dangerous depending on the circumstance or like if if you treat it as like a rule that you must always follow like you must always forgive regardless of an apology or you must always forgive after an apology or some sort of act i think that's always going to be problematic because like even the last category that you'll forgive after an act represent an apology i i've heard that a lot to justify like literal cases of physical and emotional abuse mm-hmm. so I, i guess there's also a mini debate here about whether apology should always happen in the absence or not or, or forgiveness should always happen in the absence of apologies right 
or if they should only happen after someone apologizes. Which makes me think of other contexts in which apologies and forgiveness happen. So it's not just an individual thing like you might think. It's also a movement thing or a societal thing. Because like you mentioned, for example, you were angry at Chris Brown as a feminist, probably. And not as an individual. I don't think you have any personal qualms with Chris Brown that I know about. Or do you? <laughs> well, he made an, an okay song. Like, he, he went, <laughs> he made Freaky Friday. And, like, it, it really detracted from the experience. So, I guess that was a personal experience. Like, he, he attacked my senses by appearing uninvited in a little dicky song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you get my point. So yeah, I do a, get your point. Definitely. A societal sense of forgiveness as well as a societal sense of like processing an apology or in a ca- in that case a lack of apology. I'm actually not sure if Chris Brown apologized for it. Yeah, I actually what really gets my goat <laughs> what really gets my goat is the fact that regardless of whether or not he has apologized I just hate the fact that he keeps minimizing its effect on the people involved. Like, again, in Freaky Friday, he was saying, uh, well, I'm just a dude with a complicated past. Like, what are you talking about? This is not a complicated thing. You hurt a person. And, like, it's not something that you should put in a joke song about switching bodies and have bigger dicks. Like, I don't think it's completely appropriate. So that's... Okay, I'm... Chris Brown, talaga. Making mm-hmm. me do all these tangents all the time. But yeah, you're so completely right. It is also a societal matter sometimes. Yeah, so besides it being a societal matter, it can also be a political matter, which I think a lot of people forget about. So they can look like controversial national issues like post-colonial rehabilitation and the forgiveness, quote-unquote, done by world leaders that agree to reestablish negotiations or ties with other nations. So that's a form of forgiveness, I would say, or even our criminal justice system. The fact that we rehabilitate prisoners and the fact that we let them go after a while, well, we sometimes don't, but we let them go after a while, ideally, that's also an issue of forgiveness, right? If the state forgives you or if the victims forgive you, etc. Um, there's also a lot of political issues like Comfort women, slavery, martial law in the Philippines, all of these have an angle of forgiveness in these like debates. Yeah, or, or moving on as you know, the Marcus apologists would like to say, like, just move on. That was like 40 years ago. Not knowing that 40 years ago, like the victims of those events are still alive today. But I like that you were talking about political matters. I'd like to add that for a really long time in our criminal justice system, or at least in our justice system, we have had this idea of a condemnation doctrine or mm. the Aguinaldo doctrine. Um, one of my favorite finals, I think it was La Salle InterVarsity finals, the mm-hmm. one that's on YouTube, the motion was about um, politicians getting absolved from criminal liability after getting reelected. The prime oh, minister, who was already a lawyer at the time, one of my idols. I'm not even a lawyer. And by the way, this is not legal advice. I just have to say that for some mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Glenn, the prime minister, talked about the Aguinaldo Doctrine. The Aguinaldo Doctrine held that when there was an administrative matter that was filed for events that happened in the past, and then 
you got re-elected, then those administrative matters are deemed forgiven. They're condoned because of the re-election. So they use that as an intuition pump to say that, well, if you get re-elected, that means that the general public does not care anymore about certain allegations certain allegations of criminal behavior and it should be forgiven but mm. that was actually abandoned because at that time the, the time that it went up the time that they debated it binai was still a very important person because judge omar binai was being accused of a lot of um allegations of corruption so People were saying that, well, he keeps getting reelected, and that means he's being forgiven again and again. So that that was a big issue, and the court eventually overturned it and said, like, no, for these kinds of criminal activities like corruption, grafting corruption, no amount of re-election can save you from, you know, prosecution to that extent. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense because you could be re-elected over and over again. Exactly because of the corruption that you did, right? So it's like an endless cycle of being forgiven because of an act that caused you to cause that, like, apology, quote-unquote, to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's one of the reasons why we have to reassess, like, the idea of forgiveness. Because there are some things that we should not forgive or that the act of forgiving makes them more likely to commit similar acts in the future. But are there any cases where it's better to just forgive than it is to, I don't know, like, force, forcibly hold people accountable, I guess? I guess that's already an issue of who really benefits from forgiveness, right? Because I would argue in some cases that forgiveness isn't about the person you're forgiving, but it's about the forgivee. It's about reaching catharsis and letting feelings go. It's about, you know freeing yourself from the burden of a grudge or of ill feelings and stuff like that. Like you mentioned earlier, like you're the type that lets go of issues for your own sake. Um, I could never. So <laughs> that's, that's not me. So I don't know. Um, but basically, right, I could argue that that's the point of forgiveness and that's why it matters. Yeah, because from my point of view, it's like I cannot really control what you do Like, I can't control if you're going to give me an apology or I can't control if you're going to do some act of repentance, but I can't control my reactions to you, which is like, you know, I can choose to let go of this anger. But I think that we should make a, a distinction between forgiving and forgetting. And th- that sounds extremely cheesy. Like, a lot of people look at Mark the Marcuses and say, let's just forgive but not forget. But I suppose that What you can do is let go of your anger, but you don't necessarily think that, you know, everything will be the same. Like, I'm not going to vote for you or anything, but I'm not angry with you anymore. Like, yeah, I don't I trust you, sense. but I'm not angry with you. That makes sense. But I would also argue that, you know, as an individual, for example, constantly forgiving is also rather taxing. So it could be cathartic. But it could just be taxing for a person that gets betrayed over and over again. Or as a feminist, for example, that has to forgive every person that catcalls them as they're walking down the street. Like, there is a limit, I would say. Or if there's no limit, there shouldn't have been a threshold to begin with. And you shouldn't have been forgiving certain things to begin with. So there's a tricky balance here, right? I guess that's also an issue of what things are worthy of forgiving. Should we blanketly say 
that everything should be forgiven or everything should not be forgiven? And if not, what's the standard? Do you think we can have like a graph to represent this like spectrum? Because from my point of view, you're saying that you can either forgive and not forgive and the action that you're forgiving or not forgiving for could be grave or harmful or not grave or harmful. So it could be a big deal or a small deal and you have a choice to forgive or not forgive. So you have four scenarios that might happen. So assuming this was a debate, you could have like a spectrum kind of analysis where, well, if it is, if you're going to forgive a very harmful action, that might not be a good thing for you. Like the debate isn't about, you know, forgiving a criminal who committed a crime against humanity, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also not about forgiving someone who just like accidentally took your pen because that's like not severe at all. So I suppose like the debate here is, you know, not forgiving grave things and forgiving grave things. Maybe. Maybe it is just about grave things. Because if it was about minor things, it's pretty straightforward. There's no legitimate reason to hold a grudge over a stolen stolen pen. Unless you still remember who steals your pens, you know? Yeah. I honestly... Do you remember who steals your pens? Yeah. Don't you? No. I, I lose oh, pens all God. the time. <laughs> thank God. Because if you remember who steals your pens, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Well... <laughs> No, I always knew you stole my pens. I just kind of let it be. I have many pens. You so you forgave that. me. You forgave me is what you're saying. No, I forgot you. Op- <laughs> <laughs> I forgot so you. That, that's <laughs> the, yeah, that's the wild card on opposition. Like, well, no, forget about forgiveness. How about just Forgetting. being forgetful? Forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess who benefits from forgiveness is either the person or... The forgivey, um, because forgiver ad- or forgivey. For- yeah, forgiver or forgivey. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, like, again, like to summarize what you're saying, if the point of view that we're taking is the forgiver, they have a benefit because they have like an internal scorecard thing of just letting go, having catharsis. But what would a forgivey, a person who is receiving the forgiveness, have to gain? Well, there's also catharsis on their end. Like, catharsis goes both ways, I would say, you know. Um, There's also obviously absolution and the fact that they don't have to worry about being in trouble anymore, I would say. Um, I guess also the sense of relief of knowing that whatever thing they broke, such as a relationship or a tie or a business deal, is mended once again or is in the process of being mended once again. So it's the chance to go back to the way things were. Oh, well. Well, I guess that's another debate, right? Like, after forgiveness, do we automatically tie that to returning to how things were? Because I've forgiven lots of people in my past, but I'm never going to be friends with them again or go back to how things were for sure. Man, so making these kinds of distinctions is quite difficult, isn't it? But like, for the forgivee, the person receiving the forgiveness, I think they sort of expect things to go back to normal. Like, like for example, Sheldon Cooper, they go like, oh, I'm sorry. And then Leonard or Penny says, it's okay. And then they ask for like tea or something like that. Maybe yeah. 
that might also be problematic actually like you could say that the premium plays on forgiveness if this were a debate that might be an argument against that premium because it makes people expect that once you say sorry everything should go back to the way it was yeah i guess also in the criminal justice system it's the same right like when we forgive someone and let them go out of jail it's not like society has forgotten what they've done they have a permanent record and it would be weird if suddenly that record were to vanish or suddenly they start with a clean slate like everyone else so i i would also run probably that you know the difference in how we treat people that have been forgiven is in part because of how unfair it would be to the rest of society that has done nothing wrong if they were still always placed on the same level as someone who has done wrong you know yeah definitely but there's also an issue of political forgiveness i think you're a better person to talk about political forgiveness since you're the politics person and the politics and i are queen yeah well in political forgiveness i think it's rather straightforward right a lot of countries get into war they get into conflicts but in a lot of times they still have to maintain uh ties and negotiations with other nations so how do they balance that you know they have this concept of diplomacy which in my head is just a fancy term for forgiveness and forgetting because a lot of diplomacy relies on a country's ability to move past the you know past problems and move past all the historical injustices that one has committed to another so there's that political issue so that's international i would say um but again there's also a question of is diplomacy always worth it and sometimes is isolation is unjustified For example, um, you know, Japan has not apologized to us. I mean, yeah, Japan has not apologized to us for comfort women. Um, and I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yet, Japan gives us a lot of aid and a lot of money. The question now is, would that be a substitute for forgiveness? Uh, for an apology or no? Yeah, I think we have to assume that, you know, I... In my opinion, it's not enough of an apology because I feel like apologies and like reparations in general, they can be material or symbolic. So an apology is a symbolic form of reparation. So I suppose that, you know, getting aid, that might be material reparation for the damage that they caused to us, their former colony. But I still feel like there should be at least some form of symbolic reparation here as well. Like uh, otherwise, it won't be complete. But it's not—it's not really for me to decide. It's not—it's debatable, is what it is. Yeah, it's for leaders to decide. And I would say that is it really an apology if it wasn't labeled an apology? They just gave us aid. Are we meant to expect that this is their form of apology? What if they just gave aid? I think it's equivalent to, for example, you messed up or I'm mad at you, and instead of apologizing, you just give me random stuff like am i supposed to take that as an apology or should i be expecting a verbal confirmation that this is your apology or way of apologizing you know i would never do that i wouldn't like for example if i hurt you i would never just give you stuff and that's why i made it hypothetical a hypothetical scenario i know you would never buy stuff you don't like buying stuff in general no but I, i'm trying to explain why i i think that the best thing is to sort of 
give the apology like verbally mm-hmm. because like otherwise it, it feels kind of I don't know cheap like you're buying it but to be fair there are lots of families in East Asia who I've like talked to and the children from those families say that they've never actually heard their parents say sorry to them and I just it just put my entire life into a perspective like I I also have never heard my parents say that they were sorry to me but instead they make it up to me by like I know sometimes they bring me brownies or apple pie something like that and apparently it's an experience that a lot of you know children in in Asia experience it's not just a Filipino thing apparently I have talked with people from Malaysia and Korea and talking about those similar experiences so I suppose that forgiveness for them is based on a completely different set of criteria so for me it is based on an apology for them it's based on actions yeah I think actions you know the corny statement actions speak louder than words but I'm the type that just likes a lot of affirmation that's probably a love language thing as well I mean let's not bring that into this but it is true that your form of apology is probably affected by how you perceive love languages and what kind of love language you have but i guess another question i have would be like is forgiveness always a good thing especially when an apology can be weaponized in the process because i have experienced a lot of times where someone would say i already apologized to you you're still acting you're still acting upset that's on you now you're the bad guy now it's your fault for being upset that i did something wrong i apologize na eh you know Yeah, I get that, but at the same time, I kind of understand that view because there there are some legitimate extents like if if you are forgiven, there are some things that you kind of expect like reasonably expect. Like for example, if there was something that you did that made the other person mad. I don't think it's reasonable for them to suddenly lash out at you for no reason. Like you, like I guess it's fine if you say that you know I understand you still don't trust me, or I understand that you're still you know sort of angry with me, even though I already apologized and even though you've already forgiven me. But like it doesn't give you the right to hit me, I guess. Well, uh, I mean, just to clarify, I've never hit Kyle, and this is a story not about me. Oh, it's not about hypothetical. No, Nina's Nina's been the best. I'm not gonna say who. Because that will get me into trouble, Jesus. <laughs> legally speaking. <laughs> yeah, legally speaking. But I mean, it's you can imagine that just as apologies can be weaponized by people who don't really have the best interests at heart, you know, I think that forgiveness or the lack thereof can also be weaponized. Like, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I've like, seen experiences where. Uh, I've seen people tell me their experiences where um, their significant other hasn't forgiven them and therefore they had to buy so much stuff for their SO and they still weren't forgiven. So I felt like this isn't anymore you trying to uh, be repentant or anything. This is just this person taking advantage of the situation and trying to leech off of you and that's not a good thing. But you'd be surprised how common that situation is. Like they'd really milk it. Like I will only forgive you after you do X, Y, Z and do all my homework and 
wash all my dishes and clean all my clothes and do all these other things that you otherwise shouldn't do, you know? Yeah, so I guess if people are abusive, it doesn't really matter if there's forgiveness. They'll be abusive either way. You know, it doesn't really matter if there's an apology or if there's forgiveness. If the beha- if the problem isn't the behavior of a certain person, it doesn't really matter if... Because I since we're talking about relationships anyway, there are even relationships that are quite worse. It's not just do my chores or do my homework. It's that you hurt me emotionally. You committed a slight against me. Like, you looked at another girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nope, scratch that. You were being unreasonable this one time. Mm-hmm. I need to hurt you in order for you to, in order for me to forgive you. Like, as in physically hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. And there are other people who um, they say, they slip and say something that might be offensive. The other person might say something worse and it will escalate and it will escalate because that's how they understand like forgiveness. The only way in order to forgive is for someone to get hurt and for someone to be okay with that. Yeah, so I guess the final question would be If there's all these flaws to forgiveness, is it really still necessary for a functioning society? I think it might not be necessary for a functioning society, but for the relationships within that society, it might be necessary. So like a functioning society to me is like where people can act professionally, um, things work the way they need to and you could work with a person without necessarily forgiving them That's but true. you know in terms of interpersonal relationships for example like love etc those cheesy stuff i think you need forgiveness in order to make any of that work but then do you actually need those cheesy stuff in order to make a functioning society oh, that's a because... different that's a different yeah. question now you know um i think i'm more inclined to say you're not able to have even a functioning society because if you look at the political level or like a macro level of things like without the institution that forgives in the rehab like in during rehabilitation or in the criminal justice system i don't think society would function if we just put everyone in jail and never forgave them right so i'd say you need a level of forgiveness for that Or we'd never have any progress as countries if we don't learn how to forgive. Because we'll keep yes, going I, to war. Yeah, I agree. You say that you can work professionally with another country even if you don't forgive them. But what does not forgiving look like on an international scale? Sadly, it's not very professional. It's very aggressive. It's very trade war-y. It's very sanctiony. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> it's proxy <laughs> no, I, I, war-y. No, I suppose like. My idea of being professional in the workplace without forgiving people is just like you not talking to people. You sometimes being passive aggressive when they ask you for something, but you give it to them anyway because it's for work. I mm-hmm. suppose like if you put that into like the context of states, people will be making like passive aggressive trade agreements or something like um, country A, who we recognize. Can be very very stubborn, mm-hmm. comma. <laughs> I was, yeah, if I was... only if only wars went that way, you know, I think life would be simpler. 
I was gonna name an actual country, but that might get me into trouble as well. Mm-hmm. Legally mm. speaking. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess, like, to sum up our discussion, forgiveness is such a complicated like thing as a concept. Um, I, I almost said it was an emotion. Is forgiveness an emotion? It's not, right? It's just like a concept. It's an act. I think forgiveness is, is, is a noun. Like, I'm gonna it's give a... you my forgiveness. No, I But mean, like, obviously... emotion is like, I'm in a forgiving mood. I mean, emotion is also a noun, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, but like, forgiveness isn't an emotion. Forgiveness is a noun. Yeah, yeah. So basically, forgiveness and even the the act of apologizing or apologies in general... Very complex. I'm surprised that there was a lot of debatable issues on this topic. Because when we decided to make this episode, it kind of started as a joke. Because we wanted to just really apologize for not uploading. And then we were like, it would be great if we could have a discussion or a little prep on the concept of forgiveness and the idea of an apology. But I'm surprised we managed to talk about quite a lot of things. And I think we had a rather productive conversation about this topic. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's it for this episode, though. I I fear that a little bit more, we're going to be even more circular and more repetitive with our discussions. So I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And just a fun fact, when I called Nina the politics and IR queen, she made such a cute, angry face. It's like angry Kirby. It was adorable. Mm. Oh, you made it again. It's cute. But anyway, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye.